You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, um, it is such a pleasure to be talking to you again. I know that many of you are very heartbroken about something that's occurred recently. Uh, A week went by without discovering truth of Dan Duvall. Yeah, it happened. And um, I'm also mourning this event. And um, I'll tell you, what happened is that we had a conference. We called it the Bride Tribe Advance, and, and, and it was extraordinary. And for all of you that weren't there, all I can say is you missed it. I mean, I, I wish I could say, like, well, yeah, you didn't really miss much. It wasn't that great. Some things didn't work out so good. But but quite to the contrary, it was so extraordinary that uh, most of us were speechless after after it ended. I had to take days to process what the Lord had done. And, and uh, you know, all I can say is, that God is doing something very special here at, at Bride Ministries, and this is our, now our fourth, our fourth live event. If you missed it, the good news is that we will be doing another one, <laughs> and so that is why there was no podcast last week. Uh, but but you know, if you want some of the some some of the testimonies and so forth, we actually did a testimony service at the uh, at the, at the Bride Ministries Church this past Sunday. I'm not going to bore you with the glorious details here. I am going to simply say a few things because we have a very exciting podcast this week. Number one, Advanced Prayers to Shake Heaven and Earth is available. We've already shipped all of the pre-orders. The pre-order rate is now gone. Um, it's not like it's going to be that much more expensive if you buy it from our website anyway. But 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 there was a deal, and, and that deal has passed. And um, Nonetheless... The book, Advanced Prayers of Shake Heaven and Earth, is is already making waves. People are already being blessed. Testimonies are already coming back. I'm very, very excited about all these things the Lord is doing. I am going to say this. You know, I said to all of you guys, I'm believing God for 100 reviews for Prayers of Shake Heaven and Earth a while back because when people want to know what book contains the, their blessing, um, they, they, they go to Amazon. I mean, that's where they go. They go to Amazon and they look at the reviews. <laughs> they say, well, let me determine where I'm going to get my next blessing from by looking at the reviews and, and, and seeing what I'm going to get next. And and so if a book is, is poor, well, it receives a poor number of reviews or, or a lot of people read it, love it, but never review it, then it actually does not help others find it that need it. And so... I am just putting out uh, an, an, an exhortation, so to speak. If you get your hands on this book, please leave a review on Amazon or somewhere public where people can find that and, 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 and see what the impact of the book really is. I, I am believing God again for 100 reviews on Amazon for this book because I, I, I know 
that there are people that are going to get the book, not because they found me, because they found my podcast, because they heard me speak somewhere, but because you left a review. And because of that, they got this book and God is now moving in their lives. And so I want to encourage those of you that have gotten this book, purchased it, please, please, please leave a review um, for the sake of the others that need this stuff. You know, we, we've, we've ground out these tools and it has not come easy. It's not come cheap. It's cost us a great deal. And the body of Christ has everything to gain. That That's that's truly how I see this. And so uh, with that said, we have a number of other things coming up. I will be in Australia again in February. And um, I'll be giving you more details about that as the uh, time draws near for now for those of you that are in Australia just understand that we're coming and I'm going to be in um, Brisbane and I'm actually going to be in Adelaide and I may be somewhere else as well and we're still working out all the plans and the uh, travel route but that is going to be towards the latter part of February 2020 so um, if you are an Australian listener friend of the podcast um, we'd love to see you. We'd love to hang out. And so yeah, just put that on your radar. With that said, I just want to thank all of you that continue to financially support this organization. Um, we are building something that is going to uh, reproduce after its own kind, that is here to last. Uh, next year, we're going to be training up a whole number of people that are going to be able to do DID coaching. They're going to be able to minister to the human spirit. They're going to be able to collapse realms in the name of Jesus that are evil, correct timelines, deal with parts, and uh, very, very effectively kick the devil in the teeth. The way I've learned to do it, I'm going to train others to do it. And um, I am so excited because after next year, what this ministry has to offer insofar as solutions and and people that can be leaned on as resources for those of you that are needing help is going to expand a whole lot. And so um, we are not parking here at Bride Ministries. We are creating solutions for the problem sets that we have. And um, whenever you sow into us, you're sowing into that. You know, uh, we have vision for all kinds of things as well. I mean, I talked about this years ago. I, I, it never went away, though. I still have ministry, uh, vision for a media studio, um, survivor housing, and other exploits. So, you know... Thank you for those of you that continue to support us. Look forward in a few weeks to our brand new website. We have completely restructured this thing. So exciting. Okay, I'm done. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, we are back on Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and I'm very excited to be having the conversation we are having today. Why? Because I meet people all of the time, as you probably do as well, who need healing. Healing from chronic pain, cancers of various types, afflictions uh, that are of the nature of autoimmune disorders, all kinds of things. Uh, and, 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 and here's the truth. Many of us, when we're on that journey of recovery, we, you know, we're, we're told, okay, God is a healer. And then we try to pray. And sometimes we get a breakthrough. 
And sometimes we don't. And sometimes we're sitting there talking to someone who's telling us about the breakthrough they just got on the same journey we're taking, and they're healed and we're not. And we're wondering what's going on and what can I do? Well, today I have two guests. Dr. Ron Horner, many of you have become familiar with, is an apostolic teacher specializing in overturning verdicts from the courts of hell. Uh, he has written a whole lot of books, and I'm telling you folks, for every one book I write, he probably writes five. Uh, and <laughs> today we're going to be zeroing in on his latest book, which is on the subject of the Courts of Heaven for Healing. You can find him at courtsofheaven.net. Dr. Ron, welcome back to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. It's good to have you. And, you know, folks, we have a second guest that's going to be joining Ron Horner today, and her name is Dr. Natalie Olson. She works with Ron as a seer. Uh, when he sits down with people who book sessions for Courts of Heaven ministry with him, um, she will at times be on the calls to help people navigate their encounters with the Courts of Heaven. She also has her own holistic health ministry. Natalie, welcome to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you so much, Dan. Happy to be here. Well, this is going to be a very interesting conversation, guys. And I am going to just begin with this question because, you know, there are people that are really laying hold of this concept of the courts of heaven. And even me, right? I have, I mean, I don't necessarily minister courts of heaven the way you guys do, um, but I think what you're doing is amazing. And, and what I have learned is that we are using courts of heaven in, in various ways. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. For those that are still wrestling with the idea that heaven would even have courts, like well, why does God need a court? And, 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 and furthermore, why would there be a court of, of mercy and, and a court of, of healing? Where's the scriptural basis for multiple courts? This sounds strange. I want to begin by letting you explain to us the foundation for all of this ministry. Okay, well, let's look at Zechariah chapter 3, verse 6. When the, the, the Lord spoke to Joshua and he said, If you'll walk in my ways and keep my commands, I'll, you'll judge my house and have charge of my courts. Plural. Which tells me that, there's, that it had to be more than one. Then we look out throughout the scripture, we'll find various courts that did very uh, different things. Uh, you have in Daniel where uh, the ancient vase was seated and the, uh, the court was, session was called into order. So we have there in the scripture, but it's one of those things that you have to dig a little bit to, to say, oh, there it is. Once I have eyes to see it, it just simply unfolds before me. And I can see the different courts that are there. And, uh, and see the different applications. Uh, and courts of healing, very simply, God wants everyone well. But in the courts of heaven, what we're looking at doing is removing the legal obstacles that are hindering the answers from coming. When it's related to healing, well, God's provided a way that we can find out what's going on, what we need to deal with, and how to get the re issue resolved so we can receive the healing that we're after. And you deal with the real issue that's behind the sickness or the disease that's, uh, that we're working at or that we're taking a look at. That's so good. You're right. 
um, the Bible does use the word courts in the plural. And so this is a really, really cool adventure to take as um, people are realizing, you know, heaven is open to us right now. Um, Natalie, I know that you didn't always believe that heaven was open to believers that were alive on earth. And I think that uh, not everyone has fully grasped the weight of this revelation that, well, we don't have to wait until we die to get to heaven, that heaven has a, 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 a piece of land, literally a mansion for us right now in Christ Jesus and, and courts where we can get justice right now in Christ Jesus. And, um, can, can you just spend a little bit of time talking to us about how you walked into this revelation? All right. I sure will. Well, when I met Ron, I scheduled a quotes of heaven session with him. And again, coming from a traditional deliverance ministry, um, I had my mindset already on what I think experiences are. Uh, in that traditional sense, uh, deliverance and heaven were just limited to just the power of God and words to cast out devils, nothing more. <laughs> okay, so um, when I had a session with Ron, uh, Ron ushered me, we walked in and he simply said, let's take a step forward into heaven. And just those words right there, let's take a step forward into heaven. Now I'm in my room. I'm actually this exact room right here, <laughs> looking at him just like I'm looking at you. And he says, take a prophetic step forward into heaven. So all kinds of thoughts came in my head. What am I stepping into? Am I going to step into some portal from hell and get zonked in and burn with fire and come out with a coat of demons. <laughs> okay. I mean, all types of thoughts, but again, lack of knowledge puts this stigma and this hindrance on things. So even though I came with all of my junk, all of my thoughts, all of my insecurity, scared, I will flat be honest, scared, scared of heaven, <laughs> scared of crossing into, even if I labeled it supernatural, because no one, I've never heard of anybody taking a step. You know, I, the only thing supernatural I knew is somebody going and you fall out. Okay. So again, <laughs> to take a step into heaven and I'm not dead. So again, the thoughts of I'm about to die. Okay. All, I mean, it went nuts. So the minute that we took that step in my eyes were open everything changed because the peace of God, the security of God, Jesus was there. And to see him, I'm like, okay, forget all this. To feel the vibration and sensation of heaven, it shuts everything else down. And from there, I was able to embrace without even questioning or second guessing anything about heaven. And Ron assured me, we are in heavenly places. There are no demons here. Because even in being in heaven, it's like, am I thinking this? Am I seeing this? Is this the devil speaking to me? And to know and have that knowledge that we're in heavenly, there is no demons here. There is no demons intercepting here, uh, uh, speaks thousands. And I was able to grow uh, from there with my coat of many demons. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> well, here's the thing, you know, I, I, I love it. And, and the Bible is very clear, right? It says, for we are citizens in heaven from which we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the beauty is that we are in a season where this revelation, this reality is actually being imposed on the body of Christ. God is putting his finger on this and saying, look, we are in a season now where my children, my people are going to learn what citizenship means and how through that revelation, they're going to be instruments of, of, of transition in the world. And so I'm really excited about how all of these things tie together. Now, I want to give you an opportunity to walk us through, Ron, your view, because you spent some time talking about this in your new book, your view of church history on the subject of healing. Okay. Well, the church hasn't been really good at embracing it. Now, uh, I grew up in a more mainline uh, denomination, and healing wasn't in their box. So, but I, you get around a few charismatics, and healing's in their box, or the Pentecostal churches. But Pentecostals had what I would refer to as the Pentecostal surprise. They'd pray for somebody to get healed, and were surprised when they got healed. So, you know, they're there we are, oh, we believe in healing, but it never happened. Well, wonder why that never happened. So uh, in church history, we've, we've gone through these phases. We had faith healers, and we depended on the man of God to get it for us. And then when the word of faith movement came along, oh, you got to confess it and all those kind of things. And, uh, but it's never really become the reality that it needs to be for people to be able to receive the healing that is already provided for us. But a lot of that has been our paradigms and our, our belief system before we went in the door that God may or may not do this. It may or may not be his will or things like that. And so uh, we'll have what our expectation is on a lot of those things. And most of us don't really expect it. It's, it is that Pentecostal surprise, so to speak, that if it does happen, oh, well, that was nice. But that was the exception. So God really don't want to do this all the time. So. But I like where the courts of heaven, we can deal with some obstacles and get things cleared out of the way. Healing can come. So, and that's going to be exciting to talk about in just a few minutes uh, because of all that heaven has in mind for us. Well, and you know, it's just an interesting thing, right? I think the church has been on a growth curve with a lot of subjects. You know, one, um, we've been on a long journey of what I call a reduced gospel. We took everything that Jesus did and boiled it down to, you need to get saved and warm a pew, then you get to die, and then you get to go to heaven. And it's like, well, that reduced it quite a bit. That's a right. lot different than an open um, exchange with heaven as lifestyle. <laughs> Moreover, um, with deliverance, massive, massive reduced understanding where it's like well everything's a demon um even the fallen angels are demons it's all the same thing and by the way if there's anything other than uh the person you're talking to talking back at you that's a demon and it just needs to go and it should go if you just say the blood of jesus loud enough and so we have this backwards d deliverance strategy where people just yell really loud 
and may the biggest anointing win, right? So <laughs> we're, we're waiting for the guy with the massive, you know, deliverance anointing to drive out that devil and no one else has the anointing. So, and, and it's just like, you know, same thing with healing. It's like, if that healing anointing isn't there, people aren't going to get healed. We just have to find the right anointing and then everybody in the meeting should get healed. Where can we find the right rule? We have a few people that came close. This guy had a 70% anointing, you know, so we're looking at trying to, trying to take the anointing and make a doctrine out of the anointing. And, um, it's all this limited perspective, right? And, and, and of course, folks, if you listen to me, you know, we can talk for days on the deliverance side of things, parts and association systems and how all this plays in legalities, but it's the same with healing. Legalities play into supernatural healing and it's not just faith so tell me this what is the balance between faith and the need to resolve legalities within the context of the courts of heaven i think i'll call on natalie for that one what do you think <laughs> gotcha natalie okay <laughs> Just to um, bring it to you from a legal perspective, let me just give you this sample example where you can see going to the doctor, going to the hospital, just to paint this picture. You go to the hospital or ER, the doctor gives you a diagnosis. The word diagnosis means he, with his education, formulates what he thinks is wrong with you. After you receive the diagnosis, hear the keyword receive, meaning you believe, you say, okay, I have this, whatever it is that you've claimed, it then, it then turns into a prognosis. A prognosis is a declaration either on paper or out of someone's mouth that declares what has been diagnosed, how it's going to come to pass. Okay. A doctor says you have cancer. Fear says, oh my gosh, oh my God, what am I going to do? Coming into agreement, even battling with it emotionally, beginning to formulate your life now with this cancer. That word, that diagnosis now becomes a prognosis because you're functioning at the level of what has been spoken. In the courts, even in the courts of healing, we have spoken words in medical diagnosis. Let's go back courts of heaven. Uh, uh, it could be accusation, a doctor saying you have cancer. That spoken word, be it that that doctor is a medical authoritative figure, just like in the courts, is a legal binding word over your life. Now, we can pray for you. We can anoint you with so much oil, you fall out of your chair and slide. We can say all these words, I cast out da 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 because now this word is legal, meaning it is formulating a prognosis. Actions are being dictated based on this word. It's now a legal issue. You can have cert, you can do all of these medical things, but if you don't go and deal with the, the diagnosis, nothing, even cancer will return. And I say that boldly because you have not done the legal things that need to be done to remove the cancer. So in the course of healing, we take 
what doctors have diagnosed and get a prognosis from Jesus Christ, the great doctor, who does show up uh, uh, in the courts to be able to speak and determine and, and say what is going to happen. Doctors may say you're going to die, diagnosis, prognosis, Jesus' word says, and here is your legal document, the word. So now you have actual, actual documented proof of what is going to happen to you being spoken by the great physician himself in the courts. And we can take that false verdict or that prognosis, which is basically a false verdict, get that overturned in the courts of heaven and replaced with the righteous verdict so that healing can come forth. Because that's the legal document that prognosis has created is basically a false verdict, which I talk about in the Overcoming Verdicts from the Courts of Hell book. So Natalie did a good job. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So, you know, um, this is this is one of the things that I, I personally hang my hat on. I, I do not uh, do victim blaming, right? And if someone has been overtaken by a disease that they haven't been able to face their way out of yet, uh, I am not the kind of minister that just sits there and says, well, you didn't believe God, right? Or hard enough, you know, it's, it because that hurts people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for those of you that are listening, listen to me. That approach to ministry hurts people. And, and it leaves people feeling um, less than and uh, actually rejected often, even abandoned by God. And, um, you know, it's unnecessary pain because, frankly, what we're talking about today is the other side of the coin. It's, yes, we need faith, but we also need to resolve legalities. And we need to resolve legalities against the word of God and the person of Jesus Christ and heaven's system of justice. So having said that, let's talk about general protocol. You guys do this all the time, right? Someone comes to you, says, all right, Dr. Ron, Dr. Natalie, I have cancer in my liver. I've been believing God for one year now. And I started chemo three months ago. Not much progress. What do you do? Okay. Typically when we do a session, we're going to step into the port of records and see what's outstanding concerning that person. Uh, Heaven basically has an outstanding folder. looks like a file folder usually that has the priority list that Holy Spirit has for that situation. And, we may find in it that there are accusations that are outstanding that haven't been dealt with, haven't been dismantled. We may find there's a, a false verdict hanging out there that needs to be overturned. We may find that there's some ownership issues or there's something generational that needs to be cleared up. Uh, so we'll follow that. We'll follow the rabbit trail, so to speak, between what we hear or what we see in that uh, outstanding folder and then just walk our way through the process. For example, with the uh, when a prognosis becomes a false verdict, well, we can go to the uh, court of uh, court of appeals for an overturning of that false verdict, because the false verdict, in essence, came out of the courts of hell, and we can get it overturned in the courts of heaven by simply uh, appealing to the the court of appeals, saying, "Hey, we've got a false verdict here. We need this overturned and replaced with a righteous verdict." Now, part of the righteous verdict is what does the word say concerning our healing? We know in Exodus, it says the Lord, he is the Lord our God that heals us. 
Uh, we know First Peter 2.24 that uh, by his stripes we were healed in Isaiah where it says the same type of thing. So we can have those as part of the, the uh, evidence in our behalf that it's the will of God for us to be healed. Uh, if, for example, there was unforgiveness or bitterness involved and we've done repentance along those lines, we can present the evidence, we've done repentance here, and your word says about if we forgive, then we're forgiven, etc. So we can we just simply follow the rabbit trail, shall I, shall I call it, for, of the uh, outstanding folder and walk our way through the process. There are basically just a few categories of things that almost everything fits into. So we have we developed some process charts that kind of walk people through the, the entire process. And you won't find them on the website yet because we've not released it yet. We'll be releasing it in a couple of weeks at our Courts of Healing Conference in Charlotte, North Carolina. So at that point, all that stuff will be released and the process charts will be made available. And the book will be available at that conference as well. Okay. Do you have anything you wanted to add, Natalie? No, no, he, he covered it. He covered it. <laughs> <laughs> the process. Okay, okay, let me, I'll, I'll put this in from a seer standpoint okay how about that one okay mm -hmm. the process as a seer yeah okay like ron said ron will say uh let's go check out the outstanding folder and again um accessing at this point this is all done in heaven so the folder appears the folder sometimes it drops down everything that you need to know you know is there and we simply read from the folder, share with the individual. And again, he says the rabbit hole, it's, it's as if it connects one thing, it'll say uh, uh, false verdict or it'll say accusation. Then we appear in the court of accusation and it's like the next thing, whatever needs to happen next, words appears, pictures, it's almost like movies showing you and directing you as to what to do next. And it's an awesome experience to be able to see in holographic 3D in heaven as these things come about, like um, people's sicknesses, because sometimes you actually can see in the folders the people's, like if it was liver cancer, the actual liver, when this happened, I mean, all of these things are in this folder and it's you talking about massive revelation it is awesome very awesome so from a seer standpoint that's how things progress like that now um in your sessions you guys are notorious for coaching people to be actively engaged in their own encounter right. um how often do you help people to examine what's in their own folder or do you typically do that part for them? Probably a third to the half of the time we'll pull them into it and I'll, I'll keep drawing out the seeing that they do have. If not the seeing, then what the, what the knower is doing because they've actually got more going for them than they realize most of the time. They're hearing more than they think they're hearing, or they're seeing more than they think they're seeing. Uh, we wrote a book recently about unlocking spiritual seeing and getting your spiritual seeing 
where you can remove the obstacles to that. And then we'll just keep drawing on it. Natalie knows I'll just keep pulling and pulling. All right, what else you seeing? What's it look like? Describe that to me. And they'll sit there, they'll start talking, describing things and not realizing that they're seeing it. And that's what's funny. So now you realize you're seeing, oh, yeah, I am. And it just kind of makes a big shift for them to be able to know that they're participating or what they're seeing is being confirmed by what Natalie is seeing or that, or what I'm seeing. So it's a lot of fun to do that. You know, I, I, I know that this is another big shift area because, you know, it's amazing what happens when you're talking about what flows from the head. Because many people have sat under houses in the body of Christ where seeing in the spirit is not okay. That's not what Christians do. And uh, a lot of people arrive for ministry. Um, They need a permission slip to step into what is actually natural to human nature. Uh, I, I think that it's been really an assignment of, of, of the kingdom of darkness to convince the body of Christ that, yeah, you have no business in the spirit world, seeing, hearing, or anything, everything needs to be shut down for you to be normal and um, not crazy. And uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people actually carry accusations within themselves against their own capacity to do things. And that you know, I, I love every opportunity to, you know, point this out because I, I've sat down with people and, and, you know, sometimes it feels like people are more convinced that they need to not see than they are that this is something that God has for them. So they come to the session, they're like, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't see. And it's like, okay. <laughs> But it's okay to see in the spirit. Right. They can close their eyes and describe their kitchen to me, right? Uh, or their bedroom or their what their car looks like and not be looking at it. So why can't we just, if we have the mind of Christ, why can't we just make that little connection? Or they say, I see in dreams, but I can't see when I'm awake. Well, a dream is a night vision. So that tells me that you can't see, you just haven't turned the lights on yet. So let's get the lights switched on. And Natalie knows we do that. See, that happened for Natalie. She was always calling a seer. And she got nailed on it one day. Okay, Natalie, you can tell that one. All right. Um, in my early 20s, and I'm only 25 now, in my early 20s, okay, in my early 20s, uh, the Lord uh, called me into ministry, and I was so excited, I ran over to my grandmother's house, and I said, the Lord is calling me to do a work, and her words were, you do not hear from God. I internalized those words and worked in ministry under that fear, under that load, doubting every time, anything prophetic, anything of that nature. So again, I come into uh, with Ron, who is pulling, seeing. I mean, from the jump, you know, (laughs) initial session here, what do you see? And no, I don't see, that's how I said that. I don't see anything. Worked with me a little more. 
the more I, the more he worked with me, my faith level began to increase. I, I forgave my, so we had to deal with this legally first. Okay. Uh, we went in because again, remember, just like a doctor, those words affect you. So we went, I forgave my grandmother. We dealt with it legally. I'm feeling excited. My faith has increased and I began to see, but I think I had the wrong contacts on because I was seeing only the titles of documents or just a little bit, not the fine print. So we worked some more. I did whatever needed to be done uh, legally. And he said, now relook at the document and what do you see? And I was able to see the words, but it took him working with me, us dealing with it from the legal standpoint in order for me to even get there to even be able to act, I mean, to be able to see in the courts, to be able, I mean, it's something that you have, I mean, I can say, but it's good to be able to see the actual court session, to actually, and I, I'll say it, and I used to not say stuff like this, to actually see Satan squirm, you know, while the, I mean, to actually see him all mad and everybody's all dramatic, to see that is, <laughs> you know, like, you know, he's actually defeated the gavel and he's, ah, he's just freaking out and all of his little, you know, everything. You're talking about a level of faith to be able to see that it really changes your life. So I was there saying, I can't see. And now I have triple bifocals in the spirit and thanks uh, <laughs> <laughs> to run. My bifocals are really good now. So, yeah. <laughs> That's really, really good. Um, all right. So, so we talked about a general protocol for accessing the courts of heaven for healing. Now, there are a lot of obstacles to healing, right? We're talking about legalities. There are a lot of things that get in the way of people's acquisition of their healing in a manifestation. Um, and I want to talk about some of these things. And I, I want to begin with just the general accusation. Oh, why do accusations fundamentally work as an obstacle to healing? They, in essence, lock us down to whatever that accusation is said about us or about the situation. Uh, a lot of those accusations are simply uh, accusations about God's not wanting, he doesn't want to heal you. So that's speaking to the person themselves, but it's also speaking to God. So, you know, as we've been, we've taught ever since we started teaching on the mercy court, that we've got to dismantle accusations so that we can in essence pull their teeth so they can't uh, latch on to us the way they've been latching on to us. And so we simply say, we agree with the adversary. We confess it to sin. We repent. We ask the blood of Jesus to be applied to the accusation and all of its ramifications. And it simply releases the pressure that that thing has had on the person uh, and releases their mind to be able to say, okay, I can think differently from this thing now. Because a lot of the accusations aren't, may not be against the person, but against God himself. Oh, it's not the will of God to heal. Oh, God did it for so-and-so, but he won't do it for you. Because Satan loves to make exceptions to a rule. He'll say God's word is true for everybody on the planet. But you, now why do you think you're so special that God's not going to do it for you and he's doing it for everybody else? You know, 
And for some people, that's a matter of pride. Well, well, I got to be this way because I'm special. That's special. Not necessarily. <laughs> we come across a lot of people, but there are a lot of common denominators among everybody. And a lot of it is that they don't believe that God really wants to heal them because they prayed once and it didn't happen. Well, that's be, that's kind of like taking the wrong medicine. And okay, <laughs> if we take the wrong medicine for the condition, we can't expect it to have the result that it needs to have. So it's the same way with what we do concerning healing. That's really good. Now, uh, you have some interesting, uh, I, I mean, to be honest, you know, in, in your book, which I got to get an advanced look at, folks, uh, you have a long list of other obstacles, right? And I, there was one that I, I really did want to get you to comment on, um, something that people may not consider, or maybe they know it to be true, but they wouldn't necessarily have the language for it. And it's familial false verdicts. What okay. are those? All right. Uh, familial meaning re related to your particular family. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the enemy, at some point in time, has gotten a false verdict against your family that says they have to suffer with this particular condition. And so you'll see grandma had it, mama had it, all my brothers and sisters have it, and, and so on. So those seems to be, seem to be false verdicts related to a specific family assigning a particular sickness, disease, malady, malfunction, or whatever to that family. That, that's going to be how they get known. Now, if in the process of that false verdict, he can get that family to take ownership of that thing, then you compound the issue and you tie it down even further. Because once we take ownership of whatever that condition is, because, oh, daddy had this and or mama had this, so I'm going to get this. And, well, the kids can expect to get it. And I guess the grandkids will have the same thing. So when we bite into that, believe that lie, internalize that lie, or embrace it, whatever you want to call that, uh, it has even further strength to just continue working and creating, wreaking havoc. Because, for example, diabetes is one of those that seems to get passed around a lot, passed down family trees. But think about what are the dynamics behind diabetes? It's not so much the pancreas, but it's what's happening in the soul that needs to be resolved. And Natalie can speak to that a little better. But these familial false verdicts simply need to be overturned. And you as a representative of the family can get those things overturned, come out of agreement with the thing so that freedom can come to you and your family. I, I, I'm very, very interested to hear about this piece on diabetes. Please, Natalie, enlighten us. All right. Um, looking at it from a... a coming into the family. I have to take it back to how did this come in, okay? And even looking at this, even from medical or holistic health standpoint, let me, I'll take in my family because this is one, I, I'm good example. I don't have diabetes. It runs in my family. Um, in working with Ron, going to look at family lines, looking at how things happen, my great-grandmother, um, however many years ago that was, um, had some issues with my great-great-grandfather. Uh, they split, 
And because of her sadness and being in a broken relationship, she sought out eating. Most women, you know, we get our hearts hurt. What do we do? We go eat a pound of chocolate ice cream. Okay, so the deal is that began that. She started a generational tendency. So woman to woman learned you don't need a man. If things go wrong, eat. So my great grandmother taught my grandmother that. My grandmother taught my mother that. My mother, you know, we see this whole line. Now, because of that unforgiveness, now Satan can come in with this legal right to inflict diabetes and only the eating and the heartbreak reinforces this to happen. So we had three generations of people with diabetes simply because of how this had a legal right to manifest itself simply off of a family tendency. You see that? Broken hearts in women. And let me say, I'm the only woman that's married in my family now. So because of <laughs> this being passed down and my daughter is engaged. So again, we had to break this tendency to break the diabetes from running throughout my uh, family line. And of course, I don't cook with fat back lard and, and, and ham hock and all that stuff. <laughs> there are natural things we had to do too to be able to break this. But do you see how the enemy brings that into the family line that way, giving it a legal right to be able to manifest itself? Right. Also in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 7, David said, what is this judgment that I'm enjoined to? He realized he was, uh, something had passed down to him because he was a legal heir, that he had nothing to do with the original problem. So he said, all right, what is this thing that I need to deal with generationally to get myself set free? And that would set free the, the succeeding generations. But we have to realize, because we're legal heirs, Satan says, hey, they're the legal heir. Let them have it. Because grandma had it, great grandma had it, etc. You know, one of the um, things that, that really fascinates me about this whole piece, this, this area of, of uh, conversation, is that they have what are known as, you know, genetic markers that predispose a person to certain kinds of diseases. And I am of the opinion that um, our DNA can be actively rewritten as we live our lives. Like, I don't necessarily think that we're stuck with the DNA that we're born with. Every single prayer, practically, that we've written has addressed stuff down to the genetic level, especially when we're dealing with iniquity. And um, I, I just, you know, see, it's, just, so it's this profound connection where God is really forcing this idea on, on us. It's like, well, you know, soul issue, lifestyle choices, and DNA. They all kind of intersect. And our destinies are tied up in the way they intersect. And in how much we allow Jesus to intercept those intersections. Right. And um you know what, what what this is all creating is is balance um i i love it i 
also noticed in your book that you talked about liens and false titles against health. I, I love how many ways you've defined problems in your book because this is like, wow, I would have never come up with that. I, just thought I was sick. <laughs> it was a lean and false title or familial false verdict. It's a lot, but, but it really helps to categorize this stuff. What mm-hmm. is a lean and false title against health? Okay. Let me give you an example. Uh, the distinction I make between a lean and a, and a title is that a lien will put pressure on you to to accept something as the way it has to be. But when when it's progressed to a false title, that person with whatever condition, they get their identity from that condition. They get their identity from being this, uh, the one who is sick all the time or the one who has cancer. It's this, my cancer or my heart disease. They've taken an ownership uh, approach to it instead of understanding that wait a minute this didn't come from god it came from somewhere else so we need to get that resolved and get it resolved legally so that hey when we're standing in the courts of heaven say hey that ownership issue we can get that title uh false title abolished and get a true title issued and healing can come because that ownership issue is hanging out there and satan says hey i got this on him i got the paperwork right here. So let's get that paperwork resolved and the healing can uh, be able to come forth in your life. I, I know people that they get their identity from being the having whatever condition it is. And they're actually almost to the point of being proud of it or don't. Every conversation is about, oh, how they're feeling that day. And that's a sad way to live especially when you know that that can be taken care of in just a few minutes in the port to heaven. But some folks really like their stuff and they wouldn't know how to be any other way. They've done it so long. So now with a lien, very simply, a lien simply has to be satisfied. It's a debt that's owed. uh, Like with a, if you own a house and you have a roofer come and fix your roof and you refuse to pay him, he can get a mechanic's lien against you and you can't sell the house unless you satisfy that debt. So in a sense, it's, it keeps that, keeps that ownership uh, claim from moving forward as a rightful owner. The uh, ownership itself has to be uh, resolved as far as the, t- the true title being issued because the, this cancer is saying, I own this person. So we want to get the the issues that brought that thing into the into the scene resolved, and get a new title issued that says the Lord of Hosts, Jehovah Rapha, is the owner of this person, not the Big C, or whatever the condition happens to be. When when we can do that in the in the realm of the spirit with the legal applications, the sickness cannot return because that thing has been taken care of at the root. Again, we're notorious for dealing with the fruit, but not doing much about the root itself. So do you ever have someone, because some of the stuff becomes lifestyle. It's literally the way people live, right? And I have met people that, you know, like you said, they got the false title. Their title is, you know, Six so and so. It's it's like like that became their first name. It's their title. They own it. It's like mm-hmm. 
that's my identity. I'm the one that you're supposed to feel sorry for. What, what happens when this person comes into a session, right? You say, okay, well, we got the false title there. Exactly what you claim to be is the case. And um, so they go through the motions. But two days later, they're having the same conversation. They haven't changed their lifestyle engagement choices. Um, they haven't renewed their mind around what process through in a session. What happens? Okay. As Natalie knows, we, we've talked about this too, is what, what about, what's the aftercare? Because when you go through the process in the courts of healing and heavens in the medical center, you're given discharge papers. Those discharge papers will include instructions of what to do and what not to do. For example, you don't go out and celebrate with a 32-ounce know, milkshake. You're getting healed from diabetes. That's not the way you celebrate, right? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> there will be instructions that need to be followed in order to keep that thing working. If they haven't been real about it, we'll know before that point. Now, we on occasion will have somebody who will, who will mouth all the words, but you know their heart's not there. And so we'll actually redirect them toward, okay, well, let's do some, there's some patterns you need to break or things like that. Natalie's got some material on those lines, getting your emotional part healed because these things have some kind of emotional holds on that person. Uh, like you said, they don't know how to live any other way. Some people, uh, I, and I have relatives who are like that. They, they're really proud of how sick they are. I mean, if that disease, is, somebody else has it, I want to get it too. And they have great faith for that. And they're not disappointed. <laughs> Just the way some folks are. So uh, Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. Well, <laughs> you'll always have the sick with us too, I expect. <laughs> Do you have something you wanted to chime in, Natalie? Um. I am an advocate for aftercare because what I see a lot of, let's say someone deals with anger or fear. Now we can go into the courts to legally deal with uh, uh, those things, but there is still the natural side to them after we have dealt with things legally. Uh, the courts does not zonk your brain. There is no biofeedback from heaven that reprograms the structure of your thinking in your thoughts, okay? So again, there is a level of renewing the mind that they have to go through after you deal with it from the courts of heaven. How not to be bitter, how to recognize triggers of when you're becoming angry, how to unstress. If stress is causing the body to uh, uh, produce histamines that's causing rashes, you go in, uh, uh, deal with the legally to get free from rashes, but have not learned how to unstress, then like you said, man, in two days, another patch of rash is there, even after going and dealing with it legally. You have to still, in the natural, deal with the things that set up the accusation or the legal aspects of whatever it is that you're dealing with. and. That's complete totality of wholeness and healing from 
heaven's aspect. That's why the hospital gives you discharge papers. When you go into ER, they give you papers to maintain what you have received from the hospital. Heaven is the same exact way. Discharge papers telling you what to do to bring down what has just happened in heaven to maintain it here on earth. So. <laughs> and she's got some good materials along those lines for the aftercare and getting your thinking renewed, et cetera. Because uh, that's been a big deal. We've come across a few folks, they want the courts to fix everything. And some things they're not going to fix. You're going to have to do some changes yourself. <laughs> You're going to have to do a few things. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not a magic wand. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I, um, I, I, I find that I have to, um, at times, uh, remind folks uh, that, that, that really there isn't a, a, a magic wand. God isn't really into magic at all. If I'm going to be quite frank about it, he has power and authority. But the thing is, um, you know, we are developing better ways of accessing what he's done and bringing heaven and earth into alignment. But it never fully removes a person's individuality from the equation and a person's individual relationship to Jesus and the individual things that Jesus, the father, you know, the Holy spirit are trying to work out in us personally. You know, we, we never arrive at the point where we find a leader that God is so, so proud of that. He will replace everything he wants to do with us by doing it in them. So if I just connect with that guy, we'll get everything. No, God is never so satisfied in what he's done in our lives that he no longer cares about your life and what he wants to work out <laughs> there. And so um, that never goes away. I, I want to I say something else. Where does the spirit of infirmity find its place in your conversation? Mm, Natalie, you hit that one. <laughs> I, I love, and Ron will have to tell you, say this one, uh, what Ron has learned about spirits. Oh, Ron, you got to, I mean, <laughs> the difference between the spirit of infirmity and, and uh, again, my old school deliverance of just wham, bam, in the name of Jesus, migraine, get out of here, kind of dilly, big difference, demon, Spirit, so you got to share that, Ron. You got to. Okay. Then we're working on some stuff along these lines to actually package into another book, believe it or not. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> okay. No, Ron, no, it's not hard to believe. It's actually really, really easy. What we're looking at, though, is we've referred to some things as spirits when they're not spirits, they're demons. And things we call demons weren't demons, they were lingering human spirits or evil spirits, whichever. And so <laughs> with the spirit of infirmity, we're, we're probably looking at a, uh, a human spirit that has a demonic guard and he's on an assignment to bring sickness or disease into that person's life. Uh, and so that's something we're unpacking so we can really go further into that because we've, we've been giving demons an upgrade by calling them spirits which is something we haven't thought about and they don't deserve the upgrade. They're just demons. 
Come on. You know, let's don't uh, enamor them more than they need to be. Okay. And so, but when we understand that sometimes there, there seem to be assignments of certain things and, and these, because demons themselves are basically fairly crass as what they can do. They're fairly primitive. So human spirits aren't nearly as primitive. So some things can be done by a spirit that a demon can never do. So that's something we're unpacking. That's the, another book, Dan. Come on, we're working on that one. You're pulling that out too soon. <laughs> uh, because our understanding, once we understand some distinctions, it's going to redefine deliverance as we've known it. And we're going to see some uh, degrees of healing and freedom come forth that were not ever anticipated. Because we've said, oh, the Bible, they just lumped them all together. No, the Bible did not lump all these things together. And I, I'm proving that by what Jesus himself said. But, of course, we don't really care what Jesus says as long as it doesn't go. If it goes against our belief, we don't care what Jesus said. And I've come across that a few times. Because, bless God, we got a belief system. We don't care what the Bible says. So, well, uh, you know, you, you bring up something, and, and it's always interesting to see how, you know, journeys intersect. Um, but, you know, one of, these, one, one of these mysteries of the Word of God is the spirit of Elijah. You know, it's a mystery, right? One, Elijah goes up in a chariot of fire, right? right. Mantle comes down, Elisha gets it. Um, then there's this prophecy that goes forth. You know, the spirit of Elijah will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So we get to Jesus and he says, well, look, John the Baptist was Elijah to come, right? And it's like, oh, okay. You know, so who powered up John the Baptist? Holy Spirit, right? And it's like, or, or the spirit Oh, Elijah, like it actually says, because that's what it says. Mm -hmm. And it's like, as Christians, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not in our box. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not in the box. But when you get into the work and you realize how many people's health problems are directly related to ancestral spirits, quite literally. Um, I, I remember one time we were looking at a situation with a person and uh, we found a soul fragment of this individual in a sickbed in a massive hospital facility. And when we began to explore it with the angels and Jesus, what we realized is that this hospital facility was bloodline. It was a bloodline sickbed hospital. Like the, so, and, and it was a region of captivity where soul fragments of many other members of that bloodline were being kept. Mm -hmm. And the beds maintained those soul parts in a cycle of sickness. Now, this region of captivity was holding the whole family in bondage. Mm -hmm. Well, go figure. And, you know, literally, this place is being run, overseen by a, a combination of, like, ancestral spirits and fallen angels that they're like it's it, but it was really you know like more than i expected mm -hmm. and as we worked with jesus to take the whole thing apart we actually took out the whole realm right that, that whole 
sick bed hospital. We were able to resolve it. The person stood in their office as a representative of their bloodline. We were able to deal with it. We watched it fall apart. It's like, yeah, that was more than a little pesky demon making you cough. Like, it's just not that simple. Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely not as simple, but it's also not as complicated as we've made it by our misreading what's obvious. We're really good about not reading what he actually said mm. because we think, oh, he's lumping them all together. No, he's not. So we'll be unpacking that in the other book. <laughs> Fascinating. All right. All right. Next topic. Becoming a trophy of Satan. What is that? You know, some of those folks that have the ownership thing going, they, they seem to have gone to another level with it where uh, Satan uses them as a spectacle of what he can do to destroy a person's life. Uh, think about people that have progressed through, say, MS or Lou Gehrig's disease or things like that. They become a trophy of whatever that disease can do to destroy them. You have the same kind of thing with cancers. So, and some it seems as if God, Satan is rather putting them on display as, hey, here's, a, here's what I can do. Here's what I'm going to do to destroy you if you uh, don't do what I want. So he creates, he uses that trophy to create a terror situation where we won't do something because we're going to consult fear first. I don't want this to happen to me, so I won't do such and such. I won't answer the call of God, or I won't fulfill the call of God, or I won't go to this place or that place because of a fear of something, of becoming a trophy of sickness or disease or whatever the case may be. So the good news is we can, with angelic assistance, go in, retrieve that person just like you do from regions of captivity and bring them out and bring them into a place of wholeness and healing. So that's the fun part about that. They don't have to stay trophies forever. And then I like the fact that the angels will often take a big sledgehammer and just smash the trophy case so it's not usable again. So that's always fun to see. Natalie, did you have anything to add? Um, a lot of times I see this uh, where there are emotions, um, undealt with emotions, how people get in these trophy cases. Um, Satan will, again, like Ron said, bring about a fear or, or use that as weaponry to use against others who are watching. And it, it just kind of reminds me of, of how, um, let's say someone has a particular cancer of some sort and everybody in the family, especially if they're a believer, and nine times out of 10, it's normally that one that's a believer in the family and everybody always watches them to see if they're going to keep praying and if they're going to, you know, because they always talking about the Lord kind of scenario like that. So they become this trophy, whereas it almost hit, not hinder the other people from even being able to receive Christ, but they look at what she's going through to the point where I'm not, how can I believe, which is the ultimate plan, is to intercept anybody, uh, futuristic grandchildren, whatever, from receiving Christ. Do you see how he uses that weaponry where you say Jesus Christ is a healer, but look at you. 
He'll, he'll spit accusations. Why aren't, and, and use that to torment the individual that's a trophy. You say you're, you're believing in God. Well, where is he? He'll put those accusations uh, for torment in that trophy case and everyone else who's watching, where is your God? Where it's not working. And that's, that's the picture of how I see someone being in a trophy case, which could be tormenting to the individual because they're believing God, they're taking a stand, but yet can't get out of this mental mm. box physical box. And I'm talking about believing God, fasting, but I'm stuck. And a lot of times when you see someone who is stuck, you know, uh, um, in their area of health, you have to go and look at to see, and, and, you know, it's tormenting to them. Meaning people are watching, things are being said, accusations are coming up. You have to go and see if they are uh, that trophy case, because that's, it's just like a trophy case at a high school. I see it, it looks just like the high school, um, you know, on that bottom floor where they have that big old long thing that's like lockers, and they're just like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm, I've actually seen it just like that, a person that's stuck in this, you know, stuck in this position, and they want to be free. They And isn't that everyone? I want to be healed. I want to see what God has. People are making fun of me. It's, I don't understand, you know, torment, torment. But I love it when the angels come. And it is, I'm talking about it, when you begin to see these things. And yeah, this big sledgehammer and the glass goes everywhere. And the person just walks out free and <laughs> they're gone. Wow. It's awesome. It's awesome. You know, um, we've seen this. I, I've seen the, I've seen the trophy cases too. And it's it's so, so interesting. And um, yeah, it's really interesting because sometimes with a trophy case, when you see the, the person in there, something about them is locked up there too. Mm -hmm. It's like they'll be in there along with like um a clock, you know, and it's like their time is just being locked up with them in that trophy case. Or maybe if they have like a musical ability, you'll see like a microphone or something. It's like that's locked up with them. That whole area of their life is just locked down. It's a trophy for sake because God's not using it, whatever. It's real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you guys are talking about it. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Ron. No. Okay. Wait on you. Let's talk about some sessions that have produced supernatural healing you want people to know about. I mean, we have this book, Engaging the Courts of Healing in the Healing Garden, right? Um, so give us a testimony. Natalie. Right. Go with that one. All right. Um, we had a grandmother come with her grandson who uh, was having seizures. Now, of course, you know, old school deliverance, a seizure is a demon. All right. All that's out the window. So um, we went in and, and again, I call it Heaven's Hospital. Okay. That's just because it looks just like a hospital to me. So um, we go into Heaven's Hospital. 
um, in the hospital are labs, okay? So we went into the lab to find out what was happening, what chemical imbalances, what was actually causing the seizures. Come to find out, it was a generational issue. We, again, you intertwine with the courts of heaven to deal with legal. Even though we're in the hospital, we had to address the generational things. All right. Um, after that, we went into the consultation room, and that's just a place where you can see your body parts, what the Lord Jesus is about to heal, um, to fix the neurotransmitters and, and who, who that was malfunctioning. So as we went in, uh, uh, surgery, I mean, you can literally see, and this is the coolest thing, Dan, if you hadn't went in surgery, you got to go. So the deal is, <laughs> the child is laying on the bed, Jesus Christ comes, scrubbed up, popping the glove, whole nine yards, I mean, walking, whole nine yards, Holy Spirit comes as his assistant. They're both there, nurses, which are angels, whole setup, surgery. All of a sudden, it's time for surgery. The sky cracks, the roof cracks open. You know who that is. That's God the Father. So all of a sudden, it says, if we are all caught up even further, when God comes, it was as if the whole thing just went up further. We're surrounded by clouds. We're surrounded by light. The room is vibrating. I know that's hard to comprehend just actually, but I'm talking about to the point where you can actually feel the whoop, whoop, whoop. I mean, oh my goodness. So the boy, the grandmother, and when you have people who are also seers, they can come in with you. Mm. So it's not like I'm making this up by myself. That's another cool deal. So the grandmother is here. We're like, you see me, I see you. Yeah, we're watching this. So we're interacting in heaven. Jesus, Holy Spirit, nurses, God. And it's like, whoa, you're looking at all this stuff going on. And um, the, the waves, I call them waves, colorful waves that were coming from God begin to surround this boy's head. And you could see the electric sparks, some of them not so bright, not going so well. Jesus comes and it's as if, and I see Ron do this all the time. He put his hands, it wasn't like this. He put his, and you could see these sparks going in and out, in and, and the boy is smiling. We're all looking like, oh my goodness. So uh, uh, after the surgery was done, boy gets back up. Now this boy has no knowledge. He's in the surgery. It's me and grandma interceding for this child. So um, after we were finished, got discharge papers. Naturally, there were things that he needed to do, things that she needed to be aware of so that uh, there will be no continuation general, you know, in the general family line to bring him back to this place. And uh, <laughs> last report, he's well. <laughs> he was getting hot, having seizures, no issues. She wrote a praise report. And there are many others, again, going into the hospital dealing with things from a legal perspective first so that you can bring to earth what God has done up there. So that was one of surgery that actually took place. <laughs> this is glorious. This is glorious. And I mean, look, this gives a lot of hope, right? Because there's a lot of people that have faith for God to heal them, but they're looking at their family members and they're saying, yeah, I could track with you. 
But these guys are still going to the Episcopalian church down the street. They don't teach this. But I want to see Jesus heal. And, um, you know, this, this strategy applied to intercession and, um, you know, uh, proxy prayer is, is, is really, really life-giving. So um, thank you for that example. Mm-hmm. What is the healing garden? You talk about this book, right? Engaging the courts of healing and the healing garden. Okay. What's going on there? Okay. Uh, Natalie can give the best description, but it is a, in essence, a place where the whole, the atmosphere, the entire atmosphere is healing. The sounds, the smells, just everything about it. Natalie's just about to explode here, so I'm going to let her have it. Oh, there the word. I'm trying to figure out the words to describe. Uh, the first time I went in, it reminded me of what's depicted in Genesis. Um, and the grass, the flowers talk, the animals talk, the water, you drink it. And oh, I mean, I'm talking about streams and butterflies the size of your computer and the animals talk jesus can meet you there and the smells of it the just the atmosphere so the deal is with me if i if no if a person comes to me and they don't know about the courts or know how to step in i can say let's just go into the garden just like Adam and Eve did. Do you see how easy that is to embrace, in a sense, to begin this journey into the heavens? And I found peace there. So when I'm battling, uh, let's say, with fear or with confusion, and, and I don't want this to affect my physical body, step into the garden and release all of that. I mean, you're talking about the atmosphere is so charged and but so peaceful that it brings about healing. And professionally, I go there to learn because of course I use oils a lot. Uh, aromatherapy is my thing. So um, I go there to learn about different botanicals, what they do for the natural body. So to me, it's a, a mini med school. I can go in and ask the Lord, I have a person here who's dealing with arthritis. What should I use? I go into the healing garden, and this is no joke, testimonies of people with oils. Oh my goodness. So I go in, look at these different flowers, put my hand on a petal, and it talks and says, this is what this is for. This will deal with arthritis. Apply this oil, da 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 So I'm getting downloads from flowers, and I know that sounds Tom and Jerry-like, but I'm just saying the flowers talk. They give information. Um, so a person can come. I'm dealing with knee pain and the garden is there. And it, it reminds me of the scriptures about the leaves healing nations. That's another whole level there talking about what this garden can do for nations. That's another book, Ryan. So, <laughs> but I'm just saying, um, that's that place. It's a, it's a, a beautiful place where you can just step in and receive emotional and physical. You can eat the stuff. You can eat, ah, oh, the smells open up sinuses. And I'm talking about in the natural. So without even having to go to 
a doctor, sinus congestion, step in, smell the aroma and allow that to bring healing to your body. You got a migraine, step into the garden and allow it to work for you. Take a bath in the rivers and just drink while you're there. I mean, I can't swim, but I can in the garden. So I'm taking dips and it's relaxing to me. At the end of the day, I'm tired, my feet hurt. Pop into the garden, get into the water, and it's as if you're taking a mini vacation right there and getting what your body actually needs at the same time. So every time I think about it, that's why I'm shaking my head. Man, every time I think of that place, goodness. <laughs> that's the healing garden. It's also a place that you can simply take your family to, your kids to, and just leave them there to receive some refreshing, some healing, uh, to minister to their soul, to their body, all those types of things. Because uh, Tracy, who worked with us, she took her son there recently and just left him. And he he has uh, completely changed from what was going on with his life a year ago. Uh, she just leaves him there, and he didn't know anything about it. So she's seen him come out, healing come forth. Uh, things that were bothering him no longer bother him, and nothing else has been done along those lines. She hasn't spoken to him about those things. It's just the healing is coming forth because of the atmosphere of that healing garden. Well, she talked about how the leaves will talk to you, the fish will talk to you. I mean, it's uh, little kids have a blast. In the healing garden. When you see butterflies, you know, they're three feet across and things like that. Uh, just the beauty of it, the smells, the sounds. Uh, couples can go in there and just sit on one of the benches and just receive healing for their relationship. Just any arena, because the, the courts of healing is not merely about physical healing, but it's got a whole division that works with mental and emotional issues. And you can have restoration from any mental, emotional uh, situation that's going on. So we're just simply just beginning to unpack all that God can do in the healing gardens and in the hospital, uh, in Heaven's Hospital, the medical center, whatever you want to call that. We just, we're just beginning to unpack what's there. And I know some folks will take it a whole lot farther than we're able to. Well, it sounds like y'all have taken it pretty far. And um, I, I, I mean, look, I'm I'm just a guy, right? But I'm listening to you and I was like, yeah, I totally get it. You know, uh, we did this course called Realms and Dimensions Unsealed. And one of the, the, the points that I make in that course is that, look, every realm has its own sentience, particularly when you're in the spiritual realms, you can engage it. So you can talk to all of these different aspects, like the trees and the grass and the flowers and the creatures and that like they, they'll talk back to you they, they do and it's just the way it is and so you know it's just like i'm hearing you talk to me and say yeah i get this wisdom from the flowers it's like you go girl <laughs> come on now <laughs> love it and so this has been this this has been really exciting i i think um that your your book this revelation is going to help a lot of people of course Folks, uh, you, you can find Ron at courtsofheaven.net. And um, as far as I understand it, he does still take uh, bookings for um, these types of sessions where he and Natalie or another seer at times will take people through 
this type of ministry if you aren't comfortable to just take the resources and do it yourself. Um, is there anything, Dr. Ron or Natalie, you wanted to close with? As we begin to unpack all that's in the realms of heaven when it comes to this, just this alone, uh, we're going to see a lot of things break loose that never broke loose before. We've seen some dramatic healings. Natalie has had situations uh, where they're, as they're sitting there in heaven's hospital, it's manifesting physically in their body on the earth. Many times we say, oh, well, I believe God for healing. I'll, I'll just hang on to it. Well, we're learning how to pull that here into the realm of the earth so that it's not merely an ethereal thing, but it's real. It's, it's happening in their physical body on the earth. And that's what we want to see. Where it's pulling things down. And we're, not, we're learning that we don't have to be afraid of any condition. We can, we can go for any kind of condition because there's going to be something that can be dealt with in the courts of heaven, the courts of healing, that are going to bring resolve to whatever that physical issue is. So we don't have to be afraid of anything, no matter what the name is. It says that every name will bow to the name of Jesus. So that's what we fully expect when we step into the courts of healing or heaven's hospital, uh, the, mental, the mental health center that they've got. Uh, because the, uh, what we also find is there's an acceleration of healing that can happen there because we're getting all the, the extraneous things out of the way that are hindering the healing here on the earth. We're getting rid of some of the voices that are slowing us down. So we're excited about what's going to be unpacked. We've got a conference in uh, November 7th through 9th in Charlotte, North Carolina, about the courts of healing and the healing gardens, where we're going to be unveiling the book and, and begin to unpack this for people. So we invite you to join us for that. Natalie? I, I want to say, finally, that Women's uh, Hospital is hiring. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. Uh, one unique thing is, uh, uh, as I begin to learn, as I begin to explore the hospital, begin to work um, in the hospital, I was hired as a practitioner. Not that anything earthly had to do with it, but um, I begin to see others who come in as nurses, people who have uh, on earth a heart and a compassion for healing it's almost like how the Bible says the harvest is right, but the laborers are few. The hospital is hiring. They need people who will go in and intercede. The first time I went in, I looked in the waiting room and there were thousands of people sitting, waiting to get help. Jesus Christ, as he was training me, said, these are the people who are crying out for someone to heal them, help them. There, uh, I, when you see people, I mean, it's a whole waiting room of people who are praying for healing, people who are praying for someone to help them to get to this place. We need more workers in heaven, people who will go in, deal with things legally so that all the diseases of the earth can be annihilated so that I'm not going to get in trouble for advocating. We don't have to get poisonous flu shots, but be completely healed and squash epidemics. I'm just saying. So, I, 
No, you you can preach against vaccines on this podcast. I I mean, I think they are just from the pit of hell. Uh, oh my gosh! But go ahead, go ahead. Now, there's there's also an arena in the courts of healing and Heaven's Hospital that deals with the outbreaks. Yes. We can learn how to get those eliminated, mitigated, etc. Here and what the divine solutions are to get those things before they become full blown. Mm -hmm. mm. There's some arenas that he wants explored there. Now, if you want to be a practitioner, go to the Human Resources Department at the hospital. Yes. Where else would you go? And sign up. You apply for the job. You know, let them take care of it from there. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> okay. uh, let Natalie speak about the legionnaires and things like that. Just a sec. In HR? <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. Or uh, and that whole arena that that God wants to unpack. Again, like you're talking about, like the uh, things that hit this earth in that right. arena. Right? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna tell you how the Lord showed me, and it was so big that I had to put a pin in it because it was so big. Okay, the way the Lord showed me. You've heard, and I think Ron has been on here concerning the courts for your city, right? You right. did that one? All right. So even in uh, uh, the courts of healing, if there was, and I think there was in Atlanta, Georgia, some people went to a hotel, ate something, airborne, 100 people got sick, one died. Heaven Hospital can create triage units when an ecclesia, when a group of people come together wanting to work together to deal with something in a city or, or eventually even in a nation, we can come together, build, build triage units of Heaven's Hospital to address that particular Georgia's uh, sickness that had hit the area. But again, it took people, uh, just as Ron explains in, that, in the book for your city, someone authoritative working with someone who is in that particular area to begin to deal with the sicknesses. If we had more people working in the hospital, we can reach out from state to state and address city issues. Remember the Jewish people were dealing with the mumps or measles not too long ago, things of that nature. When we begin to build with people who have a heart for medicine, doctors, you know, who are open to hearing and working by way of heaven, uh, nurses, people, if we could come together, we can even begin to deal with national issues like diabetes in general, like Parkinson's, like at, from that level, and, and actually cause a complete healing even for the United States. And that's ultimately where the Lord is showing me how big this can actually get to where we eliminate HIV completely. We eliminate cancer completely because we're coming in as an ecclesia standing in the authority of God as medical professions of Heaven's Hospital doing what needs to be done to squash this once and for all. That's why Heaven is in need of people who have a, a heart of intercession even if you don't know what to do, just again, go into HR, go and, and they'll explain everything. I mean, down to signing contracts, down to paying you. I get paid from heaven. The checks are awesome. So <laughs> they take care of everything. You just have to be willing to 
as Ron say, take that step in and the Lord will do the rest for you. Well, <laughs> folks, you heard it. I have been talking with Ron Horner and Natalie Olson. I want to thank both of you for all of your hard work, your diligence. Um, to get to the place where you can sit down and, and break these things down for people and on the back end, help people individually. I really appreciate what you both are doing. And, um, with that said, folks, we are going to see you next week. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.